Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman. I'm a registered dietitian specializing in intuitive eating and health at every size. I'm also the founder of the Intuitive RD, a project that aims to provide weight-inclusive nutrition education through workshops, online courses, retreats, written content, and private counseling. Join me as we explore the foundations of the non-diet approach to health and wellness and chat with leading professionals in the field. Hey guys, it's episode 11 of Intuitive Bites. This week I'm talking with Laura Thomas, as in Laura Thomas PhD on Instagram. So I'm really, really excited to share this conversation with you guys. We're talking about the topic of clean eating. And uh, Laura really breaks this down for us and um, we talk a lot about how this term can be harmful and kind of uh, a little bit, of, do a little bit of myth busting on um, some of the fears around uh, foods that have preservatives and additives and things like that. So, um, definitely a really, really great conversation ahead. Um, if you have not heard of Laura, definitely go check her out. I have a link below to her Instagram page, so you can find her on there. Uh, she also has an amazing podcast called Don't Salt My Game. So if you haven't heard that one, go check her out over there as well. Just a couple of other announcements. I am in the process of developing a course for intuitive eating after weight loss surgery, and I'm planning on releasing it at the end of September. So if you have any interest in this, definitely keep your eyes peeled, ears peeled, whatever. Um, That'll be coming out really soon. And also, I'm going to be away next week, so I won't be releasing any episode then, but check back in a couple weeks and I'll have another episode out for you guys. Other than that, um, if you have been listening to the podcast and have a moment to spare to drop me a review or um, even just click on the ratings on iTunes um, and let me know how you're, what you're thinking of the podcast it really would be uh, very helpful. It helps people find the podcast, so um, you know it's useful for that reason, but it also just is really great for me to know where you guys are, are standing in terms of um, your interest in the topics that I'm putting out there. Um, so let me know your thoughts, and other than that, let's go listen to my conversation with Laura. Hi, Laura. Thank you again so much for joining me today. You're welcome. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So I am really excited to talk to you about um, this idea of clean eating today. Uh, I know it's something that you've talked about a little bit on your stories and on your page. So I'm really excited to talk with you about this. Um, Yeah. So yeah, let's just kind of jump right in. So um, I guess what are your thoughts on, on the term clean eating and and what are some of the, the struggles with this concept? Yeah, it's really interesting because I think there's a slight difference in connotation between the term clean eating in the UK where I am versus the US where you are. And I'm assuming a lot of your listeners are because in here, sorry, in the UK, there's there's been kind of bit of a pushback and a backlash against the concept of clean eating. Whereas I think in the US, if I'm, you know, 
deducing it correctly from what I see on Instagram and things like it's still the concept of cleaning is still alive and well would you say that's true would you agree with that yeah I mean I think yeah I think it depends on who who you're talking <laughs> yeah, to yeah who you're talking to um, but like in the mainstream sense maybe oh, in the, yeah <laughs> no you're right there's definitely a lot of yeah in terms You've of got like, like the whole goop effect going on right <laughs> wait what does that mean <laughs> like like Gwyn- the Gwyneth Paltrow like her wellness website oh, like she's oh, all about sure. cleaning like <laughs> you're right no you're right that in that thing. way it is very alive and well and there are definitely people promoting it and on that wagon for sure <laughs> yeah so I I think it's just it's kind of interesting the the sort of cultural difference first of all that we've had because we had this big wave of clean eating um, mm. after like in about 2014, 2015, just after I came back from living in the States and I was like, what the hell is this? What is going on? <laughs> and, um, and so th- that was actually kind of what led me to, to practice more towards intuitive eating and um, non-diet approaches is because I had a lot of clients come to me and say, oh, well, I'm following all like the clean eating books and the apps and the recipes mm. and, and I'm, I'm doing the thing, but I'm not getting what I was promised. I don't have boundless energy. I don't have glowing skin and I don't like, I still, I feel kind of crap. And so now like I, I still do see this, what I call like a, a clean eating hangover <laughs> in, in clinic. And so basically a client might come into me and they say like, I'm trying really hard to eat clean. I'm trying to eat good foods. And so immediately what strikes me about the the term clean is that it's got a a moralistic undertone to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And first of all, we know that like food does not have a moral value. It's not good. It's not bad. And by extension, it does not make you good or bad. It's just food. Um, And so, when I, when I have a client that talks about food in that way, I'll kind of push back on them a little bit because I know from my experience as a, as a nutritionist, as a nutritional scientist, that that vocabulary just does not exist in the scientific literature. So if we look up a nutrition textbook or um, a, a scientific paper in nutrition, you won't see the word clean in conjunction with food. So it's not a scientifically valid concept. And so I'll, like I said, I'll kind of push back on clients and I'll say, okay, so tell me what, what do you mean? What is clean food? And then usually they'll reel off a list of, um, what they think are, are tangible things, but to me seem pretty nebulous. So what I mean by that is they'll say things like, preservatives like if clean food is a food that doesn't have preservatives or chemicals or added sugars or nasties or words that you can't pronounce mm. and so then I'll again try and like get down to a slightly deeper layer with that and and challenge them on that and say okay so what what chemicals in particular are you worried about and this is the point that they sort of give me that blank stare and they're like uh, <laughs> uh, because here's the thing with chemicals, this is going to come as a huge surprise to a lot of listeners, I'm sure, but literally everything is made of a chemical, right? You are made of chemicals. I am made of chemicals. The air we breathe is chemicals. The water we drink is chemicals. Everything is chemicals. So 
when it comes to, to or, or when you hear people say, well, this food is bad because it has chemicals in it, it kind of makes me think, well, what are we supposed to eat if we're not supposed to eat chemicals, right? Right. What's left? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you would just, you would wither away. So uh, then, the, you know, some people might say, okay, well, I mean, pesticides or um, preservatives. And again, I don't think that that's a particularly helpful way to look at food because salt is a preservative, mm. right? Vitamin C, ascorbic acid, is a preservative that is used commonly in food. And in fact, I had a client just the other day who said that, you know, she was, she was, um, one of her challenge foods that we were working on was bread. And she said she was very happy to go to the bakery and buy like a fresh sourdough or something because that's like super trendy at the moment in London. Um, and, but, but when it came to having like some supermarket white bread, she was just, that was too much for her. So one of the things that we did in clinic was we, I just like brought up like the most basic generic white loaf of bread that you can get in the UK. And we went over the ingredients together and it had like flour, salt, yeast, um, and like maybe one or two other preservatives, which we'll talk about in just a second. And then it had ascorbic acid in it. And she was like, and so we went through them one by one. I was like, do you know what this is? Do you know what this was? And we came to the ascorbic acid and she was like, I, that's, that's kind of scary to me. And I was like, oh. sweetheart, that is vitamin C. <laughs> they put these really scary sounding, they put these really scary sounding labels on them. But just remember, those are the scientific terms mm -hmm. for these, for these chemicals. And without them, you know, if you go and buy um, a, a loaf of bread from the bakery and you have it that day, yes, it's the most amazing, delicious bread probably that you can eat and it tastes wonderful. However, the next day you could like knock someone out with that bread. Like <laughs> it's so hard and solid and you like you can't slice it. And so the, the preservatives and the things that they add to these foods are to prolong their shelf life, to make them palatable for longer than one day they actually help pre prevent food waste right. and and they're so convenient like imagine you had to spend time every single day either baking a fresh loaf of bread or going to the bakery and buying a fresh loaf of bread every single day and again th those are wonderful and delicious and and we can sometimes we have time to go to the farmer's market and get mm -hmm. a fresh a fresh loaf of bread but i know i don't have time to do that every day and right. so i'm relying on that supermarket loaf of bread if i you know want a convenient meal with some toast you know right so um so i'm kind of going on so i wondered if you had any follow up questions for me on that yeah 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 absolutely so I'll give you give you a little give myself a little break here <laughs> let you talk okay so i'm just gonna kind of um throw this out there so hmm. this idea that um you know clean eating is healthy right so like if you could uh i don't know if you could follow these quote-unquote guidelines of clean eating and yeah. eliminate all these foods or eliminate all these additives like yeah a lot of people look at that as a, the healthiest thing. Maybe it's difficult, but they think, oh, that's, that would be the healthiest thing for my physical body. So like, mm. what are your thoughts on that idea? 
Yeah, I have, I have quite a few thoughts on that idea <laughs> as I do on most things, but so there, well, there are a couple of things that jump to mind. And so it might be helpful to use an example of something again, that happened here in the UK recently, but the, um, the osteoporosis society, if I can get my words out, the osteoporosis society in the UK actually released a report last year that basically saying that they were really concerned about the prevalence of this concept of, of clean eating, because what they found is that a lot of people were moving away from um, cow's dairy and, and dairy products and moving towards um, what were perceived to be cleaner, healthier alternatives, things like almond milk and um, well, yeah, like nut milks basically. Mm -hmm. And the osteoporosis society were concerned because in order to qualify as, as clean in sort of quotes, people were making these nut milks at home just with nuts and water. And, the, and so they were shunning like traditional dairy products, which are higher in calcium. They have some vitamin D, they have iodine, they have some other really important key nutrients in them. And instead they were replacing them not with fortified um, almond milks and soy milks and things, but with these homemade milks, which were lacking in um, calcium, vitamin D, uh, iodine, and some other really important nutrients, and therefore setting people up to increase their risk of osteopenia and osteoporosis, which is kind of softening of the bones for people who aren't familiar with that term, which can lead to really long-term problems, chronic ill health as people get older, because they're more susceptible to um, hip and bone fractures. Mm -hmm. So what seems like on the surface is potentially a, a healthier approach to eating could actually lead to nutrient deficiencies and, and problems with chronic long-term health. So that's, that's looking at it kind of from a, through a, like a, just a really clinical nutrition lens, right? right? However, the part that also concerns me as, as a clinician is that is how that is affecting people's relationship with food. And if they are making choices about what's healthy and unhealthy based on a place of fear and um, because they're anxious about the, the food that they eat, then to me, that's also not a health promoting behavior or a health promoting approach to eating. Right. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of like the underlying thing that's so hard um, for people to even see because it's, uh, it's like kind of like society expects you to abide by these, these rules, even regardless of the effect it has on your mental mm -hmm. health or yeah. relationship to that food. And, yeah. and nobody talks about, um, except for us, <laughs> um, no, but, um, kind of the, the after effects of that. And, and where does clean eating um, lead you three months down the line, four months down the line, a year down the line. Yeah. Um, and is that truly healthy for you mentally and physically? Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the difficult piece there. Yeah. Um, and I've, I have yeah. this, I have this um, kind of conversation with clients, uh, you know, a lot that um, 
some of them come to me and they are are on very strict and rigid and what they would consider to be clean diets. But I, so, And then I have to kind of point out to them, actually, by not having by not allowing yourself to be flexible and have a wide variety of different foods, mm. not only are you setting yourself up for nutritional deficiencies, potentially micronutrient deficiencies, and we could talk about micronutrient deficiencies <laughs> and not getting enough energy in, in your diet. Um, but then there's, yeah, this piece of like, if you are approaching food with a lot of negative judgments about that food, that that may actually manifest as a physiological, a negative physiological response. So we know from research that's coming out around the the gastrointestinal microbiome that we have a really strong connection between our gut and our brains. And so if if we're approaching food as, as though it were a threat, that might show up as digestive discomfort mm-hmm. um, and, and not actually being able to uh, sort of almost um, ironically not being able to process that food as well. Mm-hmm. Because when we know when we're in a heightened state of anxiety, we're in that fight or flight stress response. And we know that that means that blood moves away from our gut. Mm-hmm where it's supposed to be like collecting nutrients and redistributing it around the body. And it's moving towards our extremities as though we were ready to like run away from a saber toothed tiger, except it's not a saber toothed tiger we're afraid of. It's a piece of bread containing gluten. (laughs) And, and so the, the consequence of that is that we might eat that piece of bread with gluten in it and have digestive discomfort and label it as the gluten, as opposed to labeling it as the judgment Mm. of of that food and that is what's called um, a nocebo effect have mm. you heard of that term I have heard that term a little bit yeah yeah so they did this really interesting study that might help sort of explain to listeners what we actually mean by that so we're probably mostly all familiar with the placebo effect so this is what I feel like happens a lot with this sort of clean eating movement is I say, oh, this green juice is so good for you. This almond butter is da 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 da. And so we, um, we accept that. And so it, it, it makes us feel good, right? So we have an actual physiological response. We feel great. We feel like we're glowing and shining and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have to, if we, if we can accept the placebo effect, then we also have to accept the, the sort of antithesis of that, which is the nocebo effect. So there was this really neat study that, um, whereby they gave sugar pills to people with known lactose intolerance. So these people could not drink milk. It would, it would result in like bloating and digestive discomfort for those people. Except they, so the, the scientists gave these people sugar pills, but told them that those pills contained lactose. And then those people had all the symptoms of lactose intolerance without actually having the lactose. So it just goes to show you that our brains are super powerful and they can seriously play tricks on us, which is why it's so important to make sure you're getting your nutrition information from a credible source and not from like, and not to call anyone out here, but I'm just going to say it like the science babe or something, or sorry, the food babe, the food babe. Right. (laughs) Who's like, who's like, or people who are fear mongering and scare mongering around food. Exactly. And you know, when you were talking about that, the way it kind of like was, I don't know, showing up in my mind is like, it's almost just like we're putting out these receptors for like, for like the placebo effect, like you're looking, Mm. you know, like 
in either case, you're putting out these receptors for like, oh, this is going to work. So I'm going to like take in all the, I'm going to like notice all the things about this that do work and focus yeah. on that. And yeah. then kind of like the opposite of, of that as well. But it, it's, I mean, it's true. It, it's a physiological response, which is really kind of crazy and really powerful when you, when you consider the effect that your thoughts and your beliefs are having on your body. Yeah, it totally blew my mind when I yes. found out about this concept. And, oh and when I tell clients about it, they're like, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense that that, yeah. that that could happen. Oh my gosh. So Laura, I, I want to wrap up, but I, I would love to just kind of hear you um, answer for me kind of what you would say to someone who is thinking about eating clean right now or is trying to eat clean um, what would your, I don't know, advice, um, yeah. or wisdom be for that person right now? Yeah. So I guess I, what I would like to know is, you know, how is that serving you? Is there, is it causing you any, um, negative emotional stress? Are you anxious? Do you feel guilty if you don't eat quote clean? Is, is there, any anxiety around that? And if so, because they're really like when it comes to food and eating, there is absolutely no place for any of those negative emotions. And so if, if eating in a particular way is distressing to you, then maybe think about, um, educating yourself around the concepts of intuitive eating and, and trying to maybe neutralize your language around food. So instead of, of, creating this dichotomy of good and bad foods and um, clean and fake, I guess, and then processed, unprocessed, because those are not particularly helpful terms, maybe start just calling food by it, its actual name. So if it's breakfast, if it's a snack, if it's dessert, if it's a vegetable, if it's dairy, whatever it is, just start to neutralize your language. And that can be, you know, one step in the right direction and then and then follow people who are maybe doing some myth busting around um uh things like refined sugar free or um processed food and i have a couple of articles that i can send you Kristen, that um that you might want to link to that yeah, go that absolutely. talk a lot in a lot more detail about why you know actually unrefined sugar is biochemically absolutely no different than than just regular <laughs> white table sugar um and so yeah start to do start to do a little bit of education for yourself maybe around these concepts and um you know following trustworthy people that that are giving good credit credible scientifically sound advice mm -hmm. what would you add to that i'm i'm interested yeah no i mean oh my gosh you <laughs> you kind of blew it out of the water there um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I think you're right. I think the key is is educating yourself because we live in a culture that um, you know is um, is really just giving these people ideas of the right way to eat, mm -hmm. and it's so easy to just kind of absorb that and take that in and, and um, take it as as um, what you should be doing. And I yeah. think that the key has to be like kind of going out of your way to get out of the the limelight and all the, mm -hmm. the stuff that you're usually seeing on social media and in magazines and on TV and really dig beneath that and and look at the science but also like you said reach out to credible sources of dietitians or people who are are looking at this stuff with a in a, through a critical lens mm -hmm. um, because you know it's not always so simple as just looking at the research and 
Um, because that, yeah, yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's bias as well. Feel, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So I think that, um, you know, using the resources that you have and, and finding people that are, are doing this work, um, can, can really help you. Um, but I also think that there's a lot of stuff underneath as well, right? Cause if we're yeah. going for, um, trying to eat clean, like, why do we think that we need to, perfect our eating? Why do we think that it needs to be perfect? Why do we have to feel perfect because we're, we're eating in this way? Mm -hmm. And because, you know, if we just eliminate clean eating from our lives and kind of jump off that board, um, is it going to pop up somewhere else where there's exactly. this like stress in our lives? So I think, yeah. that, you know, counseling or therapy or some kind of work on what's underlying yeah. there is really important too, you know? And, and a resource that I'll often send clients yeah. to is um, Kristen Neff's work on self-compassion. So there's a, she has a load of free tools on her website around um, just, you know, I guess being a little more gentle on yourself, mm. going easy on yourself and letting yourself off the hook, you know, so you don't perceive that you have to be perfect all the time. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm not sure I'm familiar with her. So you'll have to send that to me as well. Yeah, I'll send you that link. It's, cool. um, it's a really helpful resource for people. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Laura. Thanks so much. This has been great. It's so nice to hear you chat about this topic. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right, guys, that is our episode for this week. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Laura as much as I did. Let me know what you thought of it. And also, just a reminder, I will not be releasing an episode next week because I'm going to be away, uh, but I'll be right back to it in a couple of weeks. So check back then. And that is all for today, guys. All right. Talk soon. Bye.